So we should be live already. We should be live already on YouTube because we're always live before it actually says that we're live. So I'd like to say hi to everyone who is tuning in for the recording because obviously as we've as we've just gone live now, no one will be here just yet, but a few people will join us for the show. This is a bit of an impromptu live that we're doing with the wonderful and delicious Tannis Helliwell. Welcome, Tannis. It's lovely to see you again, Karen. Oh, I was so looking forward to it. I always jump to whenever you invite me, I think. Aww, oh, gosh, this is, it's always going to sparkle. Oh, I was talking with a couple of Canadian gals yesterday, Shirley and Sherry, that just adore you as well as I do. You know, the Canadian, woohoo! So, <laughs> so we're going to talk about the new book, which has taken seven years, hasn't it, to to get that out to the world, which is a really important book. It's, it's the way I do my work too. It's the way you do. It's something really important, which is coming up. Uh, first, we're going to have a little <laughs> play, play, my, play the intro, but stay tuned for uh, Tanis talking about the new book, Good Morning, Henry. No, I've messed it up. What's happened? <laughs> Where's my share gone? Right. No, I've messed it up. No, I don't think I can get the. Let me stop this share and start again. Get the. I'm trying to get the. Uh, trying to get the intro into the show. Come on, you can do this. Yes. No, I didn't do it. I think I'll have to leave the intro. It's not working. <laughs> Didn't get that one happening today. <laughs> you know why? I think because I've got this uh, up and ready. So have you got the book there, Tanis? Well, um, <laughs> da, da, da. Da, da, da. yes. Now this, uh, believe it or not, is just a markup because we only launched it this week. And so because we've only launched it this week, I haven't received my copies yet. Don't you love that? <laughs> but that is, in fact, what it looks like. Beautiful. Yeah, and the subtitle is An In-Depth Journey with the Body Intelligence. Wonderful. Well, let me tell uh, people a little bit, just a little bit about you and the book who don't know you. I've had Tannis on the show two, three, four times. We had her in the Higher Self Expo. We've been on the show at least three times in the Inner Sanctum, a couple of times or once or twice. Anyway, we've had conversations with you about your life's journey and um, your childhood growing up as an intuitive and, and open to other dimensions. So we've discussed all that. So today we're not going to go through that again. We're going to discuss the really important information that's in the book. Tannis Helliwell has seen, heard, elementals, angels, master teachers and higher dimensions since she was a child. She is the author of many books and an inspirational speaker, has presented at many conferences across the world and facilitated at the BAMP Centre for Leadership for over 20 years, has taught and trained in the corporate world. So you had a very corporate life teaching people about uh, spiritual principles in a very corporate way, which I love, and has consulted with businesses, university, medical organizations and governments okay so good morning henry addresses how we can recognize the cause of our difficulties implementing solutions and experience healing 
Fortunately, each of us has a precious helper inside to assist us on our healing path. This consciousness is sometimes called the inner body or the body elemental. Canis calls it the body intelligence or Henry and demonstrates with humor, spiritual wisdom and mystical ability how to co-create with our own body intelligence in a deep healing and, and um, to have deep healing and self-transformation. So let's hear about the beginning, how this started, the beginning of the book. Your guide said, write the book, didn't they? Absolutely. It was Henry that said, write the book. And at that point, I didn't even know who Henry was. And Karen, this came after seven years of nothing because I had started writing a book called On Cage Your Heart seven years earlier and ended up putting it down because I thought it was too cerebral it was too dry it didn't it didn't sparkle it didn't have sort of a zest a kind of life in it and so i said i don't want to i don't want to even write it let alone imagine that someone's going to read it so um so i put it down and i wrote a couple of other books i wrote one on hybrids and one on high beings of hawaii and then after doing all that, I heard this very clear message, which was, you're going to write a book called, and that was the title, Good Morning Henry, and tomorrow we start. So um, because of that, I, I just cleared the space. And at that time, I didn't even know it would be a retake or a reimagining of my original book uh, on Cage Your Heart. Sorry, go on. I'm just looking for the people on YouTube who are watching can write the comment. So you didn't imagine it would be uh, something like your, your old book. Why did it take so long to, to write? I think that um, I think that I wasn't ready. I think that I had to go through uh, more of a digestion of what I was going to write about myself so that it wasn't cerebral, that I actually became it. It was, it was le living deeper into my own body. And so I think that's one of the reasons. But as I say in the very first chapter, this is actually about the collective dark night of the soul that I believe all humanity is going through. And we've always gone through individual dark nights of the soul, but to think of a collective dark night of a soul. So here I was writing it as we were going through the COVID crisis. And here it is coming out just when we have our other crisis going on in Russia and the Middle East, which which we know is going to affect all of us. So if it, anybody was thinking that when they were going through a dark night of the soul, I think the last two years have, have sure, certainly shown us that we are. So I think that 
spirit has its own timing. And I think that spirit knew that it had to come out now, not two years ago, not five years ago, but now. Yeah, absolutely. We're in a time of great healing, aren't we, here on planet Earth? It looks like a time of great turmoil, but it's actually a time of great healing. I remember the beautiful Wayne Dyer said, you know, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out of it is what's inside of it. You know, <laughs> you get orange juice. So if you squeeze a person, what comes out of them is what's inside them. So while we're being squeezed by pandemics and watching war, you know, life is squeezing us. It's sort of mm. squeezing all the juice out of us, isn't it? So that we can see what's inside us. We mm -hmm. can't run from it anymore, Tannis. We can't medicate ourselves with alcohol and cigarettes and sex and parties and you know we have to we're being squeezed so we have to actually see the juice that's coming out of us and uh yeah that that is a, a very positive image i've i also think of another image which is that in the um the, with the ancient Ch uh, swords in japan and china they used to fire them seven eight times and hit them hit them hit them fire them again and again and it was the best the best swords that were fired and struck the most and um and i think that this is what has happened to us that just when we think we're recovering from one crisis we're living through another and once again i don't know how anyone could think that this wasn't part of spirit's plan. Um, it is part of the plan. I mean, we've had our environmental crisis that we have lived with now for two decades, at least. Most people haven't even been aware of it until maybe the last four or five years. But it sort of has just entered our consciousness gradually that we're having an environmental crisis and that we're losing all species on the earth. Um, but the ordinary person thinks, so what? You know, so what? They, they think, well, how does this affect me? I don't have to deal with it in my lifetime. So I'm just going to continue on with going to films and having my parties and going to work and, you know, feeding my family. Um, but then when we've had these other two crises that are happening just consecutively like this, added to the environmental instability that we have, um, that is the sort of, you know, what do you call it if you're a boxer, sort of the one-two punch. And I think we've, I think we're getting the one-two punch right now. And um, <laughs> yeah, look, absolutely. I don't know if you've seen the news down in Australia, but Australia is flooding. It's like Noah's Ark down here. It's been absolutely torrential rain for weeks we had a break one day last week. I got my washing done. But, you know, there are people dying. There are people, just thousands and thousands of people losing their homes. It's happening all up the East Coast. It's um, we're, in, we're in more turmoil. You know, the war's going on. The news is totally forgotten about, you know what, that it's been on the news for the last couple of years. And it's full of uh, Europe and, uh, and Australia and the, and the environmental crisis that's happening down here. 
So for those people going through that sort of thing, how, how, does, how does knowing about the body intelligence and the body elemental, Henry, as you call it, how does that help them, you know, when they're dealing with losing everything? I suppose they can't even think about that at the time, can they? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I was just uh, reading something by the Dalai Lama and um, he uh, wrote this or spoke it and it was transcribed um, after the Twin Towers were hit in New York. And, um, and he was talking then about there is no enemy and we eat, we have to look at the underlying causes of what has created this rather than looking at retaliation and i think that this is a very important point here um, I was on with a lot of my uh, German students, European students, on Friday. And they're right up against Russia and the Ukraine. And, um, and a lot of them have relatives there. And many of them even speak Russian. And they were saying that what we seem to fail to see in North America anyway, and perhaps where you are too in Australia, is that the Russians have been feeling for a long time now that they are being underseen, undervalued, made fun of, and no one is really treating them with respect. They didn't win the race. They went to space, but they never went to the moon. They, you know, have, you know, it's just this kind of thing that it's, that it's a poor country, this idea of it's a poor country. And that, and that this is the underlying cause. If this happened during the Second World War as well, during the Second World War, the Germans had been so punished after the First World War by the rest of the world, so many embargoes, such a lack of respect, such blame and shame, that it was just natural that they were looking for something to build up their self-esteem again and to say, no, we are. We are good. We are powerful. We are, you know, these things. We are the Aryan race, right? So we have in fact caused this. So Good Morning Henry isn't about the world situation per se. I'm not I'm not, it's not an environmental book. It's not about, you know, make love, not war. It's not about those things. It's about people turning inward and looking at ourselves and say, what are my fears? How do I project these onto others? What are my life scripts? How did I get them from my culture, my parents, 
my religion, and how do those hold me in this very tight little box? And how can I break out of these self-imposed barriers and boundaries that keep me from separation from others and from spirit, from soul? So that's what it's about. It's about taking responsibility ourselves in our day-to-day -day life, our day-to-day -day world, in a very concrete, practical way so that we can move from fear to love. Oh, darling one, yeah, you know, that's the conversation we have on every, I like to think it's the conversation we have on every show, no matter what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And as I'm thinking about the people going through war and the people going through flooding and the people going through illness, uh, that's the only journey left, really, when you when you're bump up against crisis. First, you have to deal with the, you know, external circumstances, which is the, you know, the, 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 the trauma, but then um, it's hard, I suppose it's hard to take responsibility when you feel like the weather has destroyed your home or a government has or a virus has, you know, like we, we keep looking outside to the world and blaming mm -hmm. it for what we're going through. And from all intents purposes, it looks like that's what's happening. But on a deeper level, why have we created this in our life? What is it teaching us about ourselves? What's the lessons? How can we go inward and find those answers, right? Yeah, and, and I think that people, um, myself included, when I say people, I mean, I'm not <laughs> excluding myself. No, not at all. I'm including myself. In fact, my best teacher is, is I only talk about what I've been through, really, you know. Right. Um, but... I think that when we put ourselves in a sphere of, of influence rather than our sphere of control, we're in trouble. And so, like, I mean, our sphere of, pardon me, our sphere of concern, what we're concerned about. Um, because we may be concerned about the environment or we can be concerned about a war or we can be concerned about uh, corona and will we get it. But, but what is our sphere of, con of, of influence here? Where, where can we, where do we actually have some control? And that is where we have to spend our time because otherwise we become powerless. We become depressed. We become anxious and, and we feel totally out of control. And um, so I personally don't, don't listen to the news all the time. Because if you hear the news, almost all of it is outside of your control. And... And it takes you away from your feeling of what can I do? So I think that in all of these circumstances, we have to really look at what can we do personally. And that's what Good Morning Henry is about. You know, what can we do to change our, our own programming? 
it all starts with that because are we not part of the collective humanity yes we are so whatever affects one affects all of us there there are not individual fears i mean there's a list of about 20 fears and we're going to have those fears we're not going to have a fear that no one else has ever had <laughs> we are part of the collective yeah i'm just uh, sorry i'm just posting some uh lives on on youtube telling people that we're here having this conversation and come join us yeah we are part of a collective let me ask you why do you call the body intelligence henry did i ask you that question or have you explained that already no no i haven't and um because that's the name that was given to me and in uh in the first chapter <coughs> i actually asked henry <coughs> excuse me <coughs> i'll just oh henry what do you have to say now mm-hmm I actually asked Henry, so are you a she or an it or a, or a he? <clears throat> and it says all of the above. All of the above. And, um, and, and this is just the name because a name for us makes something personal. And so when we have a name and a name like Sally or Henry then it feels like we're talking to almost like a human being, like something that we can relate to. And I think that this was to disarm me in a way so that I would just think, oh, like this is like having a nice little conversation that I could have with anyone. And so it gave me a chance to... Oh, tell my own stories, tell things I'd learned, ask hard questions, uh, be a little bit um, argumentative, um, all of these things. And then, Karen, as we get into the book and we see how darn smart Henry is, all of a sudden, we come to the place where I am thinking, who the heck is Henry? And I actually say, tell me now, who are you? And I go through, are you my ego? No, because that is an illusion. Uh -huh. Are you my soul? No, because at a higher stage of evolution, even the soul merges into consciousness and i am left with henry is spirit in form henry is the holy spirit the divine mother if you like that creates spirit in form the same spirit that has created the form of the earth and all beings on it, the same spirit that has created the cosmic mother, the same spirit that has created 
the the our universe the manifested universe the manifested universe is the same as the universe of our planet and is the same as the universe within each of us in as you're speaking tanis i'm getting beautiful uh downloads like i'm getting a clearer and clearer picture of what you're talking about as i'm questioning you i'm thinking now how does that work now what does that mean how, how can i understand it from what i understand and i'm feeling like there is consciousness that is in form some sort of form um mm. that does create bodies and worlds and universes right yes and then they create the body for instance like imagine if you're a soul some sort of soul that's designed an animal or a human body or designed a planet or a universe or a tree or a rock if there is a there are designers right mm-hmm. and then as it comes to life in the physical matrix or the multidimensional matrix it's imbued with this divine intelligence divine essence and that's what you're talking about you're calling it the body yes. elemental you're calling it the holy spirit what are you calling it what what do you call um, it um henry <laughs> the divine mother henry the divine but, mother it but, is the same thing yes and eckert toll said um yeah. he said until you are able to um relate to your inner body you will never become enlightened so he calls that. it he calls it the inner, inner body. body yeah mm-hmm. um and it's rudolf steiner who talks it the tells it, it tells it as the body elemental but it is the same thing however I did not find this out until we are well into the book because if I thought that I was talking to the divine mother I might have gone oh no I don't believe that I can't little me can't be talking to the divine mother I must be having a a schizophrenic episode <laughs> you know so or or you feel unworthy oh you're so unworthy that then i wouldn't be able to question or argue with henry because i'm too unworthy now i just okay. have so you see, it it's completely erroneous this so is spirit is us so you've given it a name like henry which denotes sort of a person to make it more relatable which is what we do with our spirit guides too right and what we do with mm-hmm. it. i remember when i was a young girl you know reaching out <clears throat> trying to you know like i want to meet my spirit guides and i went to some school i can't remember the name of it where they're all calling their they all had a name for their higher self right they called it <laughs> joe you know sue some of them called it archangel michael but they all had this personalized name and i was not getting that my guides have been very um they've given me information which has not humanized my connection with them you know they they never gave me singular identity but i know what you're talking about when you have that a singular identity as we relate as humans mm-hmm. then it's it's like an easier flow of communication because that's how we communicate with each other like i'm yes. talking to tanis i'm seeing you i've got a name i've got identity i've got a form it's easy yeah. to talk to you over mm-hmm. zoom or in person cuz i'm 
relating to this identity. And so you've given this, this sort of illustrious, eternal, divine presence a, a human identity so it's an easier communication. Why did you call it a male name and not a female name? <laughs> well, because because Henry gave me a male name. I didn't oh, yeah. give, I didn't give and and when I come to the chapter when I ask that same question, well, why didn't you call yourself Henrietta or yeah. Sally? <laughs> and and Henry said, "And why do you think the Holy Spirit has to be female?" Of course, it blows that apart too, right? Because really the Holy Spirit, although we say the Divine Mother, it is really genderless. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, universal intelligence is genderless. But what I loved about this whole relationship, Karen, was the feeling when as I went through the whole process of, of writing the book, was this feeling of, of it's, it's in every cell of my body. And this is why I call it the body intelligence. It's there's not one cell in my body that is not universal intelligence. And we so disown our bodies and see it as separate from spirit. Absolutely. And so this is such an important thing that we come back and realize there is no separation. Absolutely. It is in every molecule, every cell. That divine presence yeah, is present in everything. There's, there can be no thing without that presence, nothing, right? There can be no thing without that presence and we can communicate with it, whether we're talking to a molecule, a chemical, a universe, a planet, <laughs> ETs, a cell of the body, the liver, the liver, the hips, the bones, anything. We can talk to divine intelligence or the, the mother energy. So how do we utilise this connection and, and understanding that that presence is a part of not just spirit, but a part of the physical matrix of the universe and we can communicate. How does that, how do we, how do we find healing through that? Well, the first thing is, of course, the mantle, which we're talking about right here. But, but if we actually can, can build this relationship, it moves past the mantle into our feeling body, into our heart. And now it is a part of our heart, a part of our feelings, a part of our emotions. It's now living in us. As you said, it has this identity. Now this becomes more precious. We, we value this more. And then when you talk about this is in every cell of our body, and, and in the book I I talk about recent, recent things that we found out about the brain and the heart and the intelligence of the brain and the heart and how the heart actually knows things before the brain even knows it. And so I talk about this to build a link for people between what they think are scientific facts 
and Henry, this is in you, right? So then <clears throat> it's giving people a format, a format that they can look at all the different things that have programmed them and how to erase it. I, I mention in the in the book, I have a whole chapter called You Are a Holograph. And we are. We're a hologram. So we are, although we think that we are form, we, we, we know scientifically we're 99.9% .9 ether. So all we are is really the 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 program that we keep on reprogramming so what henry is trying to get us to get <clears throat> is that we are really programming ourselves we're programming ourselves for our scripts our pains our fears our illness and to really get that and say i don't have to do that anymore I can yeah. program myself for love and compassion and faith and hope and optimism. And so this is the, the whole message of the book is change your program and this is the way you do it. Yeah, change <laughs> the program, change the world. You know, I have a, a good friend or a friend, good friend, uh, who's who's about to transition? He has cancer. He has a big tumor on his throat, which is impinging on his carotid artery. And the doctors say you can die any minute now. And so he's been living with that uh, prognosis by the doctors: you could die any minute now because it, you know, the tumor could block off the the um, blood supply to your brain, and you're going to drop dead. And so he, here he is dealing with death. He's been dealing with healing. He went down the allopathic route. That didn't, you know, that didn't heal him. Mm. how can this knowledge he's not at a, he's not at a place now where he wants to see anybody except for just very close friends and family uh how can this knowledge you know when i see this people going through this i feel like this knowledge is so important for them to understand i did mm -hmm. a i had a conversation with him before christmas uh trying to help him see that what he was going through was actually a healing journey like he wasn't his body's not attacking him his body is communicating with him. What is it saying? How can we listen? How can we hear it? But when when you feel attacked by cancer and then you're attacked by the chemotherapy, you know, like that's the illness really kicks in when you have the, the therapy, the, the allopathic therapy. Um, it's hard to hear that message. What could you say to people like that? Maybe somebody else has got friends, family dealing with cancer. How can this knowledge help? them help others this may sound a bit hard but we live in denial of death um, we are all going to die we're going to die at age 30 or at age 90 and we are not getting out of this without dying and so why not embrace this now? Embrace the, really, one of the wonderful um, Buddhist meditations, 
when I was um, doing a lot of Tibetan Buddhist work was the embracing of your own death. And you would actually see yourself getting older and older and <clears throat> losing your body strength. You know, just seeing the aging process. It's like watching a rose that goes from a little bud to a full bloom to overbloomed, and now the petals start to fall off. But to see this in ourselves, we are so out of tune with nature with the environment, everything around us goes through this cycle. How have we removed ourselves from it? And so it's not the enemy at all. And the quicker we can get to some deep acceptance of this, and this is what happens during the five stages of dying. The last stage is you get to acceptance. And this comes with a surrender. And what Henry does is he helps us to go through the dying of the ego. The whole journey of Good Morning Henry is the dying of the ego. Mm. And, and the dying of the ego and the dying physically are the same thing. Wow, yeah, of course they are. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah, his dilemma is he's, you know, he's been an incredible musician playing within the spiritual community and in, in around Australia for years. And when he's faced with his own mortality, he actually doesn't believe in life after death. And so he's terrified of annihilation. And so all his spiritual friends talk about their beliefs and what they believe. And he says, I just don't feel that. I just don't believe that. I just don't feel that. And this is his dilemma, his fear at this time as he awaits the great unknown to him. And, uh, yeah, I guess that what he feels more than anything is his fear around it and not it's the fear which is connected to the ego, which is, which is the part of us that separates us from love, right? I guess that he feels that stronger than anything else. And that's his reality yes. at, at the moment. I don't know where he is today. This was him a few months ago. Yeah. Um, I, yes. I just pray that there will be a time where he, he reaches that acceptance and feels that love. And maybe he can get a glimpse of where he's going before he gets there and doesn't, you know, doesn't transition in fear. I don't know. I can't control it. Yeah. Well, as you said, um, the annihilation is the fear of the ego. Yeah. And so if we, as we confront the ego and, and you confront it and disentangle yeah. ourselves from it, and this is what I think the book does, mm -hmm. as we disentangle ourselves and cut, you know, string after string, Mm -hmm. then we are free because in our soul we don't have this fear yeah mm -hmm. and as i'm listening to you i'm feeling everything he's been going through you know this trauma that he's been living his personal trauma has been an experience to do exactly that 
and mm-hmm. an opportunity. You know, I tried to see it as a healing opportunity and that was what I was trying to talk to him about. It's that opportunity to return to love and be in a place of loving what is and acceptance, even when it's killing you, like a disease that's killing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when, yeah, yeah. There's In everything that happens to us, there's that opportunity to return to this perspective of source or the divine perspective or the mother perspective or Henry's perspective, whatever name you want to give it, which is pure love and acceptance and um, and even gratitude because there's so much so much learning to be had from all that we go through, right, Tanis? Yeah. 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 And I believe that each of us, each of us receives exactly the perfect thing, the perfect amount at the perfect time. Um, uh, how can we doubt spirit? It knows exactly what we need to, to help us to help break down these self-constructed barriers. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do it this life, we just get to take it to the next one. Um, however, I'm kind of a believer in, let's embrace these, these challenges as opportunities and, um, and do the best we can. And I think we're works in progress so that we're given this opportunity every day, every day to, to do something differently than the way we've done it before. Like, let's not waste any time on regret or guilt or shame or, oh, I wish I got this 10 years ago. What a loss of energy. You know, let's just say I'm getting it now. Yeah. Yep, we're getting it now. That's it. That's not, I just want to reiterate that. Let's not waste any, any time <laughs> worrying about loss of opportunity or regret or I, I should know this stuff. Uh, I'm getting it now. Yeah, because we can, you know, I know some people who are, you know, older generation who've been on their spiritual journey for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they're just getting aha moments and they're like, they beat themselves up for not getting it, you know, when they were in deep in their meditation or Buddhist practice or whenever in their 20s. But some people take lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. So let's not judge ourselves for, you know, yeah. one lifetime. So it can t- and some people never get it. I, I'm pretty sure that there are some souls that have the earth experience and all the contrast and the trauma that we go through that never return to love during their physical incarnation you know there is this idea of karma that you have to come back and do it until you get it right but i think that there is choice you can say yep done the earth experience didn't get it you know too hard moving on (laughs) (laughs) i'm never gonna (laughs) well well i think a good sense of humor um (laughs) is important uh, the ability to laugh at ourselves, um, laugh at the situation, and hope that others can laugh as well, right? That this lightens it. 
this is really lightens the seriousness of quite a serious topic here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As I was watching some videos of my friends' houses flooding, um, there, there was one guy saying, let me show you my new swimming pool. I put it in the living room as his, as his, waist, as his waist deep in water. Oh, I know. What else can you do? You, you know, you lose everything. What else can you do to laugh? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Something that helped me a lot with possessions was when I was uh, 21 years old, I, I put a pack on my back and hitchhiked mm -hmm. all over Europe and the Iron Curtain countries in those days and North Africa for one year. Right. And all I had was what was on my back. Right. Mm -hmm. And if only people would do that, like just get a backpack and put the only things that are important in there and get on with it. I had no bank account. Uh, I'm only 21 years old. I've only finished, you know, university. I have nothing except getting my plane ticket. <laughs> and I had $1,000 for 12 months. Yeah. So, you know, there were, I had a tent, I, had, I could go to youth hostels, like simplify, simplify, simplify. Oh, there's a great question here. I did exactly the same, Tanis, when I was 18 and 21, put on the backpack and, you know, traversed Europe and um, different places. Where did I go? Did I go to Egypt? Then, no, I went to Morocco, the top of Africa. God, it was fun. I know. And I had all my, my stuff in storage. You know, I didn't have a lot of stuff in those days. And you don't miss it. You're away for a year. You're not missing your stuff. Like I'm not pining over the clothes I left at home or the trinkets or, you know, no. the, the shoes or stuff. You don't miss your stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, people and adventure. There's a great question here. What would Henry say about using plant medicine to tackle the ego, DMT, especially programs now in place for the terminally ill to use this modality to reckon with impending death? That's from Cindy. Great question, Cindy. What would you say about that? Using um, plant medicine to tackle the ego. Yes, I'm not an expert in plant medicine. And, um, and I think that um, each person has to figure out for themselves um, what is the modality that will work for them. And um, when I was younger, I did do a wee bit of experimenting um, with, with drugs, including like psilocybin and things like this, but it was a little bit. But I, I have a very sensitive system. And I only need homeopathic versions of anything, anything. So, um, it's too heavy for me. It's way too heavy for me. Um, so you have to look at your own system. Absolutely. I had a question from a friend online the other day. He didn't like my answer, but I'm going to ask you that same question. So we were talking about programmings, how to overcome our conditioned programmings, which is, you know, basically the ego, really, that part of us that 
um, the beliefs that make us feel small and limited and not enough and separate to love and separate to the divine and separate to everybody else. And he's saying, what do you think is the best modality to do that? And I gave him my answer, which he didn't like, similar to what you just said. What would you say to that? I want to hear hear what your answer was first. (laughs) (laughs) Look, there are so many modalities. You know, one of them is meditation. One of them is psilocybin, you know, and DMT. There are so many. And uh, I I think that, you know, I, I... it's really different for every person. It's just what you said. Uh, and what you're, if you're a practitioner, he's, he's sort of dabbled in sort of being a, a practitioner and, um, and many other things. So he's sort of not set up shop as the healer just yet. But whatever modality you use, like we were talking about the work of Byron Katie, which I use with my clients a lot to help mm-hmm. people identify the belief and then turn it around. And he was saying, oh, that's too mental. We need to go more into the, you know, into the emotional and we're having this discussion Mm. online. But whatever, you know, modality you're using as a practitioner is the vibe that you're going to attract, right? The person's going to be attracted to you because that's going to be the modality that they need. And so there is no right or wrong answer as to which is the best one. That was my, which he was very unsatisfied with because he wanted me to say, this is the best, use this one. (laughs) Well, you you know, this is, uh, you know, I have to get back to Good Morning Henry because Good Morning Henry is basically think for yourself. And... It, it is, you know, here, here are some ways that you might have got these conditionings. Okay, so here's how you got them. But think for yourself. Work it out yourself. Put this into practice yourself. Um, I am, well, I'm trained as a psychotherapist. So, but even as a psychotherapist, I've always been very eclectic. And my meditation practice has always been eclectic. I started with TM, Transcendental Meditation, when I was like 20, 21. Then I went to Tibetan Buddhism. Um, Then I went to um, Vipassana. And then I ended up with uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, which is the Vedic tradition. a more Hindu practice, but it is a very eclectic practice what I'm using. And so I do a physical practice and an emotional and a mental, I do all of it. So one person was um, was asking me, and I'm, I'm right now I'm in the middle of leading a spiritual ancestor and healing um, retreat, actually, a 10-week retreat. Um, and uh, one person was asking me on the last one, um, saying, well, I have no trouble with meditating, but I do have problem with praying. And, and, and why should I pray? And, and how could I pray? And why is it important to pray? And I said, well, if praying can be singing a song, Praying can be doing an affirmation and putting an affirmation up on your, on your, um, your, your refrigerator. (laughs) 
uh, you know, and you're doing affirmations to yourself every single moment of the day. What are the prayers that you're programming yourself with Absolutely. every single moment, moment of the day? Every second, every nanosecond. Every I second. know. Every thought. This is what I learned when I learned, <laughs> you know, deliberate creation, law of attraction. When I realized that life is responding to the frequency of your thoughts, then I realized that every thought is a prayer. Every yeah. single thought is is you is attractive in nature according to the frequency and will and life will you know respond to you based on that frequency and so you know we sort of sit intentionally and ask please god please for what we want <laughs> um but we're asking with every thought you know mm. every thought is a prayer every single thought yeah, yeah. So people, if they, they say, oh, I don't pray, duh. So the, you know, so the thing is, let's wake up and be an observer of our thoughts. Absolutely. This is the whole point. Mm -hmm. Observe your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Observe and be deliberate in what you're thinking. Choose wisely. Choose your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there can't be enough said about that. Well, we haven't had too many people watching. I don't know if it's been the time. There's only been about 10 or so people watching one question online for the live. Uh, maybe it was the time. But um, I suppose we should wrap this up pretty soon. Is there anything else you want to say about the book and how it can help people? Um, I think we've said it, actually, Karen. Um, and, you know, just... Um, you know, the I, I'm very fortunate. I, I received some very nice endorsements from Dr. Christina Northrup oh, um, and um, and Richard Rudd, who wrote the Gene Keys. And I, I'm very fortunate that there have been good um, good endorsements. And I would just say it's a good humored book. It's practical and. I think it was worth eight years of my life. <laughs> I think it was worth eight years of your life. Yeah. I think it was worth eight years of my life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so before we go, do you want to speak? Because I know you're tuned in, tapped in, turned on. Do you want to speak to what's coming up, like what we can expect in the next year or so? Do, do you sort of talk about that sort of thing? Energy. The energy that we can expect i personally when i said at the beginning of our our chat that we're going through a collective dark night of the soul mm -hmm. um everybody likes to talk about or the aquarian age and you know and where you know how we're all going to be with the masters and the angels and we're all going to be an enlightened and yes i believe that that is the next 2000 years so we are going to that in the next 2000 years but how many years does each person listening think they've got on this planet and i'm sure they're not going to say 2000 years so we're in the purification stages and whenever you leave one age to go to the next, you have to have the falling apart of the old in order to let it go so that you can just take the golden nuggets 
that you want to keep and you incorporate it in the new the new so we're going into the manure section <laughs> of of what has to happen here <laughs> and so that's what i feel we're going to be going through in this next time and um i've been saying it you know i've been saying this for a long time a long time yeah a lot yeah. of people are talking about the you know the 5d the new earth being established in the next 10 years or by the year 2030 or 2032 but you're not saying that you're saying we're in a slower process where we're cleaning house what did you call it where we're cleaning house mm. and the more that we clean house now the quicker and the less pain in this new era so that's why I'm totally recommending that we clean house now. And that's what that's what the book is all about. Help help for fo folks to clean their house. <laughs> you know what I often think of, Tannis, because I hear so many people say, oh, this earth experience is so hard. I'm never coming back. You know, and a lot of them are like the light workers who have come here, the cleaners, so to speak, transformers, the ones that have come, the ones that have come to transform this world. They come in as the sensitives and the psychics, and then they struggle to experience the density here. And they say, "Get me out of here! I'm never coming back." And what I think, if we're all here cleaning house, right? Why wouldn't you want to come back when the house has been clean and it's pristinely beautiful, which might be? in 30 100 2000 years like why wouldn't you want to yeah. come back to earth and experience what you've been a part of creating like to yeah. me that just feels so exciting i would never not want to come back if we think of earth in a linear concept because i know it's all happening all at once and we're i'm pretty sure that i'm already living in a future time because i get so frustrated with this time yeah. i think seriously is this how we're thinking because i feel really connected to an a future time yeah. Yeah, yeah and and we have a beautiful earth and it, our earth has been beautiful for all these millions of years that many of us have been here and yeah. this is this is the goodbye to this stage in yeah. earth's evolution right. and right. so you 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 know that the two most beautiful times in a person's life the two most sacred times are when they're birthed and when they die mm -hmm. and so we're here with the dying of the old mm -hmm. the physical realm realm of this to help birth to midwife in the next section and uh, let's be here with grace and love and joy and celebration for our lives on this beautiful planet oh beautiful i love that we're here to midwife in the birthing of the new earth that's so beautiful well oh, well that's a beautiful way to finish this darling one it's been always a joy to speak with you again just love you you're doing amazing work just love you love you uh for those people who uh, want to hear our conversations before go back and listen to my lovely beautiful wonderful conversations with tanis on the show because we've been discussing good morning henry today. there it is good morning henry <laughs> an in-depth journey with the body intelligence there's the byline yeah. 
and folks can you know go on my website um karen they can go on the uh com, or the one the site that we do the most on is the um my spiritual transformation.com and they can go on they can get the book there and see a few little videos on it and things like that if they like yeah i, I watched the video on the i went to i went to your website this morning and watched the video and then uh, you, you've got a link to the the conversation you had with Lilu too. She's back. She's doing. Um, you had a lovely conversation with Lilu on her show. What did she call? Yes, it? yes. Um, I never knew who Lilu was, and um, that was quite an interesting uh, thing to find out that fifty six thousand people have seen the interview in French, and oh. and not almost nine thousand have seen it in English. Yeah. And I I had no idea who Lilu was because I don't know. I only I respond to people and who invite me. Yeah. And Lilu yeah. uh, Lilu and Alan Steinfeld are pioneers in the podcasting spiritual shows. Like yeah. they were doing it. They were doing it when YouTube started. You know, like right right from the get go. And you and Lilu took her microphone and traveled the world speaking to teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but she went offline for quite a while. She was doing it for years. I've been doing it for 12 years too, but I do it for sitting on my couch. So it's a lot easier for me. She was physically out there, you know, traveling. Um, and, then, and I see that she's back online. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what it is, Karen? It's destiny. You know, um, it's destiny. And we get the destiny that we are supposed to have this lifetime. And I think that this is the important thing. Um, you know, just to be content with our destiny. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, do the best we can to, you know, fully show up and, you know, promote our things. Yes, yes, yes. You know, we need to do that. But also we need to be in love with the destiny we've been given. And, you know, I think that, you know, I haven't got the destiny of Deepak Chopra or Greg Braden. Um, I have this other destiny to meet the middle ground. And I've come to embrace that. And, um, and I think that everybody you've mentioned, we've got a magnetism. And I, my destiny is to go deep with people. Mm. Smaller groups, but deep. Mm -hmm. That's my destiny. And you, you were born in Australia. So why Australia? That was your destiny. And you have, you're bringing light to that continent that was, that was inhabited by prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> the convict years, darling, the convict, convict years. The convict years, and you have been thrown into that destiny. How you know it's wonderful, and to also the oldest for indigenous people on the earth are on that continent. Absolutely. And so, how do you take the newest people, all these convicts, <laughs> and the oldest people? And there you are. 
with their destiny. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I often think, you know, I don't have the destiny of Lilu. Like we've got six people watching now. And as you said, 56,000 <laughs> people were listening to her. I, I don't have, you know, that destiny to, to speak to the masses or to more people like the Lilus do. Um, but, yeah, definitely the people that do tune into these conversations are of a different consciousness. There are the seekers and there are the teachers, you know, and I, I tend to attract the teachers which dive like you, Tannis, which dive more deeply into the conversation and yes. really follow it up and, and you know, and, and work with it rather than going, wow, that's really interesting. Next, next show, you know, the seekers are just gathering yes. information, whereas the teachers are really applying the information. And that's yes. what we need more of. We need more application of the information, less oh. application. Oh. I have shivers when when I hear that and um, yeah and and it takes us maybe decades before we're aware of you know it's the fractals the recurring fractals the recurring patterns in our life of what we do that are successful and what we don't do with or what we try to do and aren't successful and and so that's where we go yeah. And I have enjoyed my conversation with you every bit as much as my <laughs> conversation with Lilu. And I've enjoyed my conversation with her every bit as much as my conversation with you. So isn't that what it's all about? Yeah, it's all about the enjoyment of the now. Yeah. Oh, beautiful one. Thank you again for coming on. And um, as I said, Tannis jumped in this week because I had a, a gorgeous woman that I'm going to talk to in May called Jazz Maheen. Jazz, and she's a spiritual teacher here in Australia that is um, um, a breatharian, which means that she doesn't eat. She gets she gets her sustenance from the ethers, from the from the sun. I, I actually don't know. We have to. We're going to explore her story uh, in May, and um, but she's flooded like many of us here in Australia. She's flooded, so she's dealing with repairs and that sort of thing. So jumping on today. So Tannis jumped in uh, to talk about the, the new book that's just been launched, Eight Years in the Making. Good morning, Henry. So I want to thank you again for sharing your wisdom with us today, Tannis. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. Bye for now. Bye for now. Oh, the beautiful Tannis Halliwell. I just, I just love her. She's just amazing. Yeah, spiritualtransformation.com is her website. Um, I'll put the link underneath. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to say, just stay online to say thanks again for tuning in. And um, we've had about 10 people watching. Only one question from Cindy. Thanks for your question, Cindy. Uh, not too many people watching on the lives. But if you are enjoying the shows that we're presenting you each week, I'm doing two lives this week. Uh, this week in the Inner Sanctum, I've got a group call with Viviane Gervais, who is, uh, I think she's in Canada too, is she? French, French-Canadian, who's an Arcturian hybrid holographic healer. I've had her on the show too, so go back and check out the show I did with Viviane. And uh, she's going to come and speak to us in the Inner Sanctum. I haven't spoken to her for a couple of years, so it'd be great to to catch up with her and if you are enjoying and getting stuff out of the shows we'd love you to you know support the show atp media i always present a paypal link under all the shows um, that says that you can 
um, support ATP Media Awakening Consciousness through the PayPal link. You can give us a dollar, 50 cents a buck, or you can go to our Patreon page and sign up to the monthly subscriptions, which uh, provide uh, a subscription basis. Um, yeah, so it'd be lovely for you to support the shows. It's always wonderful presenting you with this work. Thanks again for listening and watching and stay tuned for this weekend. Join us in the Inner Sanctum on Zoom if you want to. Just go to my website, karenswain.com and sign up. It's now free or per, by donation. I do ask for donations. Not too many people answer that request, but it's, it's there on offer to meet and to talk to Vivian. We will be streaming it live as well, so you can ask questions in the um in the question box but i noticed that youtube doesn't really show my lives to many people i've got lots of subscribers but only a few people show up on the lives and um i'm not sure why that is i have a suspicion it's because i've turned off all the advertising uh so if i'm not advertising with them they're not really showing my shows much um i know that other people that have the ads that cut in in the middle of a conversation <laughs> you know a video ad will cut in that they get a lot more views because you know that's the way that that's the way it works. So I might even turn on the advertising um, to try and get some uh, more people engaged in these conversations because I just think they're just so important. But thanks for everyone who's been watching, whoever you are watching and uh, who will watch the recording. And remember, if you haven't already, check out the book Awakened by Death and I'll catch you 